In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what His body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC right here on Life Changing Talk Radio 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, folks, there's this old Chinese proverb that goes something like this. The best time to plant an oak tree is 30 years ago. (laughs) The second best time is today. So no matter where you have been in life or leadership, there's no better time than now to keep growing. It may even be that continuing to grow is essential to flourishing in a world that that is in such rapid flux. Socially and politically and with the demands being placed on the church, wow. New normals, I don't know, I don't even know if I like that word anymore, but new normals seem to be morphing into, uh, weekly into next normals. What will be required of the church if we are to impact this generation with with the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission? COVID-19 has sent shockwaves into every sphere of human existence on a scale that is reshaping the ways we live, how we work, and even how we worship. We're seeing Christians streaming their pre-COVID-19 church online, Christians streaming a different church online, and Christians who have stopped attending church altogether. The pandemic has exposed significant underlying pre-COVID-19 weaknesses, but also significant opportunities for the gospel. Jesus, speaking to the Apostle Peter in Matthew 16, 18, said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, against it. In view is a resilient church that remains faithful in spirit and truth, a faithful church that is well-led. Well, today we're going to peek through the lens of our guest experience of fiery trials that may not be too uncommon, as a matter of fact. We hope to engage every Christ follower and leader alike as we look ahead and reimagine what it's going to look like to advance the gospel together here in the metro D.C. area and beyond that. We'll explore the principles, behaviors, and mindsets that will be required to prevail as Jesus intends for his church. And if you've been listening, you know what? We've changed it up a little bit. Normally, this is a point where I say, hey, you know the drill. We're going to turn it over to my good friend, my buddy, my co-host of Good News for the City. But we switched that up over the past few episodes, past couple of episodes, and we're going to finish that up today. And so I'm going to say, dude, my friend, my co-host, my buddy, Pastor Brian, take it away, dude. Yeah, for listeners of the last couple shows, you know that we've just been sort of having a conversation between yourself and me and how many of our thousands of people listen on a given uh, showing on a weekend or whether they catch it on podcasts or goodnewsforthecity.com, however they catch it. 
And we've just been talking about how do we deal with challenges. And so um, I've had the privilege of sitting on the interviewee seat and you've had the privilege of interviewing me. But again, I just say this as we talk through this, if there's anything about this story that seems like it might be glorifying me, let's just put that aside. This is not a story about me. Anything that is good and right and holy is honor and glory given to Jesus and what he might have done Amen. at Christian Fellowship Church. Amen. Because we were just talking about the fact that, you know, God has done some amazing things and continue to do some amazing things. And I like to say he's done some amazing things in spite of me many times. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I encourage you to go back, not to plug uh, my church, Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn and me, certainly, but the two episodes before this may give some more context for today. But, yeah, shoot ahead. Dude, I kind of <laughs> what you said there about your leadership and doing the church, I have said about my my children, for example. Yes. I have great kids, man, and I know they were okay sometimes in spite of me right. and my parenting. And sometimes maybe I helped a little bit. But anyway, in the prior two episodes, man, you you took our listeners into, into your story of a major mm -hmm. building program at Christian Fellowship Church and your process for me reimagining the church's vision and what God had given you as it kind of ran headlong into COVID-19. And as challenging as this sounds, there's more, as they say, in the infomercials, more than COVID is going around. So talk to us about leading in this environment and how challenging it was and all of those kind of things that cultural, I mean, this upheaval, um, mistrust, political polarization that's in the world, racial tensions. I mean, gosh, dude, you had a lot of stuff facing you, man. And you mentioned that a little bit, but talk about that some more. Sure. Well, I think, you know, the church is in the world, but not of it. And so what yes, does that mean? Yes, that means yes. that we can't insulate ourselves from the things that are going around the world. And certainly, what does it look like to respond in a godly way to the things that are happening? And it just seemed over the last couple of years, every time you turn around, there was just a, another thing, some culturally upheaval yes, issue yes, that yes. was really just uh, biblically connecting to the church and then sometimes unbiblically connecting to the church. Um, and depending on who you're asking many times, some of them would say the unbiblical things were biblical. And some of the biblical people would say some of the biblical things, some people say unbiblical. So it created some challenge around all kinds of issues. I mean, every time you, you look around, there was just, you know, political polarization, social unrest, uh, mistrust of authorities, institutions, racial tensions, the list goes on and on and on and, and good godly people. Um, can can reasonably fall on many sides of those issues. And one of the things sure, that I said in sure. our first episode is our church historically has been a church that brings people from all evangelical backgrounds. Uh, and so because of those differing backgrounds, it certainly creates an opportunity wherein that we can continue to move forward in unity or those backgrounds could cause some yes. tension. Yes. And so, you know, one of the things that when I have the opportunity to talk to people in the midst of these tensions is go back to John chapter 17. When Jesus was in the upper room, what yes, he said was yes. he prayed that people would be one, his people, so that the world would see him. And, and I think, you know, what has happened over these last couple of years for sure is increasingly what I would like to say tribalization around important, but not necessarily gospel issues. And so, you know, one of the reasons I believe John 17 is so powerful is, is that I, I believe there has to be enough diversity amongst the people in the church so that when the world looks at the church, they're like, there's no way they could be getting along unless there's something amazing happening. I mean, yes, because of yes. their differing backgrounds. And that answer is yes, of course, there's no way we could, but for Jesus. And so, 
You know, one of the things that um, I would encourage people in moments is, is what does John chapter 17 have to say about this? And, you know, before you run out on that relationship with someone in church or the church itself or whatever it might be, you know, instead of running out, what would it look like to work it out? What would it look like to invite God into this process of healing and restoration and understanding and actually listening to understand, not listening just to respond? And I think that happens a lot. Um, and so that he could do something in that way. And, and we've had some success in that way. And we've had some times that haven't worked so well, but nonetheless, so would you, that's true. So would you say, I mean, would, so, I mean, I know, I don't even know if you can say this is the biggest one, man, mm-hmm. but would you say probably the most challenging or at least um, in the top three most challenging things you dealt with um, were the uh, different opinions of folk within the church and what they think ought to be happening at CFC? Sure. And what they think how CFC should respond. And so one of the things that that when we come over whatever challenging issue uh, that happened to be and how it should work at church and how it should work in the world and how we should um, I had to develop some ways that I never thought about before. And so what I would try to do is I would sit down with people to the extent that they'd be willing to sit down. And I would say, hey, here's, here's where we are as church. Here's how we look at scripture. And here's, here's what we think this is informing us about this scenario. And then graciously, I would say this. Here, here's how we can talk about it. You can say, yes, pastor, I agree. That makes sense. Or you can say, well, pastor, I appreciate these, those verses. I don't really look at them that way, right? I look at them this way. Let's talk about that. Or, or pastor, here's another set of verses you didn't even address, right? What about this? And I would be like, all of those are on the table, but here's what's not on the table. I would say, we can't say this is my opinion. And yes. they would look at me strangely. And, and I would say it's because you don't have an opinion, but neither do I. Because according to scripture, we either belong to s- sin and death, or we belong to righteousness and God, but neither one of those grant us an opinion. So where we come from our opinion, where are we getting this from? And so what I would try to graciously do, and sometimes, honestly, Dennis, I failed in the grace aspect of it. I would just say, I appreciate your opinion, but what does scripture have to say about this? How is scripture guiding you? How is the Holy Spirit guiding you? And what we discovered is sometimes scripture didn't say what we thought it said. Right. And sometimes scripture said exactly what we thought it said. And then sometimes people didn't have a particular scriptural opinion that they could point to. It's just what they believed. And so I would ask them, okay, well, what does that mean? What's guiding us? And and by the way, it's a question to ask myself every day. What's guiding me? What I just want to do, or is what God's saying through his word and his spirit guiding? Because I don't belong to me. And so those are just some of the challenges. And then when you take those, the that hot button issue. And man, there's a bunch of them, right? And yeah, and yeah. we then begin to look at that. I think those can, if we respond well, an opportunity to present John 17 unity. And John 17 yes, is about yes. showing the truth about the gospel and the good news. And the gospel can be just that, good news. You know, it makes because, a way. I think I've heard it somewhere said that way. <laughs> because what you just said, man, our opinions can change. The word of God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good step. So, so is that what you would, I mean, what advice would you offer to other colleagues? I mean, is that kind of what you would say to them? I mean, give sure. The, yeah. Go yeah ahead. There, there's, I'd say prayer, obviously, obviously, humility, faithfulness, and engagement. All right. There are times when I just had to really hear from God and say, this is an uncomfortable conversation that God wants me to have. 
right? And sometimes yeah, yeah. they're with people I knew well, and those are really uncomfortable. And there were sometimes uh, there are people I didn't know well. And I didn't have to be really clear, Dennis. I didn't always, when God said, go have this uncomfortable conversation, I didn't always go running like Abraham the next day. <laughs> I would drag my feet and because I would say I was tired of having another difficult, challenging conversation. Or sometimes when I got in those conversations, I'll just confess, I didn't listen well to God about how to do that. And, and sometimes in the conversation about I don't get an opinion, I found myself giving my opinion. And so uh, I'm far from uh, a person who should be casting stones because I live in a glass house. But um, that is, I think, what I would suggest is don't run, um, you know, ask God. And then faithfully, you know, lead, because sometimes God said, Brian, you know, I've asked you to disciple people. And that means you're going to disciple them if you're part of the church or you're discipling, even if they've decided they don't want to be a part of the church until I release you from that, at least try to step into that. And I did it better sometimes than others. Um, I don't know what my batting average would be, but let's just say I probably wouldn't (laughs) have made the all-star game. So, so let's, let me put a couple of more, um, some more verbiage into that and then you can flesh that out a little bit more. So um, talk about principles, behaviors, and mindsets that you believe, and you've addressed this a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you believe will be required if the church is to become more resilient and more effective to, as Jesus said in Matthew 16, prevail. So what are those principles and behaviors and mindsets that we're going to need to, to make that happen as the body? Yeah. Well, when you looked at Matthew 16 passages, specific in verse 18, when it says, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, I think and not you, to, Dennis, you're not building the church. That's I right. am. That's <laughs> right. Well, the first thing I think we got to separate is the difference between the church universal and the church local, yes. you know, local yes. bodies yes. of believers that gather together under a name or an incorporation like Christian fellowship church or many other churches, they may go to the wayside. But God's church doesn't fail, right? And I think anytime that we get more focused on our local expression of the church than the global church that God's calling us to, you know, we become, you know, pastors, Dennis, you know this, we can get really territorial. Oh, Um, We can begin to speak and act in a way like other pastors and other churches are the enemy and they're not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Right. Completely yes, anti yes. John 17. And, and again, uh, I think all of us have felt that, I, you know, I've had people who've left Christian Fellowship Church and and they've gone to another church. And then that church, you know, is is, um, you know, quasi more successful. What I use that word quasi because success is a very relative term, you know, yes, than Christian Fellowship yes, Church or yes, they yes. like it better, whatever it might be. And and it's, it'd be really easy for me to say, oh, I want to be in competition for that church. But you know what? God loves that church and God bless that church. You know, if they're meeting that need and they're preaching the gospel, that's the good thing. And so I think if we're going to, you know, be more resilient and have the church prevail, we got to stop thinking that the church is just our local expression and think bigger, you know, and I think there's some other things we got to be committed to truth, but we also got to be people who are committed to truth and know how to deliver it gracefully. I think too often as churches, it's easy for us to wrap truth around a brick and throw it through the window of someone's soul. And when we look at Jesus, Jesus was never a brick thrower unless it was to the religious people who were manipulating his name for gain. But, you know, the people that sometimes we as the church body express truth to, sometimes we don't do it very gracefully. We've yeah. got to be committed yeah. to prayer. We've got to be committed to worship. And we've got to be committed to this idea that when we look at Revelation, that when the church universal finally is, being, is able to be seen in heaven, right, they're from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. 
And so we've got to be committed in, in many ways to saying, look, the focus first and foremost is on giving God glory and worshiping him. Not the focus first and foremost is giving God glory and worshiping him in the way I feel most comfortable. Because I do have a comfort. I, I like particular type of worship music. I like particular of types course, of preaching style. Of I like particular types of all that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when I'm committed to that first, before I am to the church universal, there's going to be some problems. So those would be some, some mindsets, I think, if, if we're to be more resilient. Well, I mean, I think that I just was talking to a friend, a pastor friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and um, he's into this new program in the church and it's working really well and things are going real well. But anyway, what you said, he said, and here's what it was. He said, Dennis, I was, I've always been a person of prayer, but man, since I've been in this new program, he said, I've prayed like I've never prayed. Mm. And so that's what I almost feel like I heard you say, man, we got to, we got to be more in tune with Jesus and, and not just say, Oh Lord, I want this and I need that. And you do that. And listen to what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. We say it this way at Christian fellowship church, or at least we're trying to most of us settle for a transactional relationship with Jesus when he wants a transformational one. You know, if we're just hitting him up for the ATM prayers and all of that, which those are good. I mean, he wants us to come with our needs, but it's more than that. Man, I, it, it just some couple things you said, man, remind me of an old pastor friend that I had a long time ago. He's gone home to be with the Lord, but he said, uh, man, you've done gone from preaching to meddling now, man. <laughs> you've done gone from preaching to meddling. Well, there you, you go. Said the territorial stuff and the transactional stuff. So anyway, let's move along, brother. These are some, gosh, it's just been, I mean, for so many people, it's just been hard times. I, I was reading today that in some portions of the church in our country, in our land, Brian, there is a super shortage of pastors, mm-hmm. a super shortage of clergy, because they're just quitting. Times are tough, man. It's hard. You know, things are, and so it's hard times for us, but you know, things maybe are settling down for us a little bit. And I'm like you, I'm not going to predict anything. Um, when we'll be into this post-pandemic world and all this kind of stuff. And so Maybe we'll see some opportunities instead of obstacles, and we'll begin to thrive again. So let's look forward. Let me read this to you, man. Let's look forward using a few statements by church leadership guru, Kerry Newhoff. Uh, um, And here's what he said. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most probable, respond to these statements and comment if you like, my brother. Sure. Scale of 1 to 10. The majority of attenders may no longer be in the room. I'm going to go with a seven on that, maybe even higher. I think if we continue towards this trajectory, that'll definitely be true. But we can never predict what changes people's behavior. We couldn't have predicted COVID. Uh, and if you back up 21 years, we couldn't have predicted 9-11. That brought all kinds of people into a personal oh my, gathering. Oh, my. Yes. Staying on the same trajectory, I think absolutely, um, you know, being um, online not in a room on Sunday morning, if that is when typically worship is, is a pretty good, pretty good chance that more people will be than won't be. Would you, would you put into that? And this is my thing, brother. So I hope I'm not throwing you a curveball here, but also as a part of that, would you see perhaps the growth of the house church again? Sure. We're already seeing it in many ways. Um, and we've had people at Christian fellowship church when they, gathered together uh, in their small groups over long periods of time when we were not able to meet, came out sure. of COVID and said, you know what? We love Christian Fellowship Church. Uh, they said very kind words, but we feel called to a house church. 
So um, I don't think that is in any way, shape or form, uh, not a possibility. Very much is so. Okay. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most probable, growing churches will shift their focus from gathering to connecting. So I'm not sure exactly what he meant by growing because growing is a very relative term. But if we're going to say numerical, I think uh, one of the things is, is that the difference between gathering and connecting is the difference between being in a garage and pretending you're a car and actually being a car. And I think the point is, is that lots of people have been attending worship services for years, but not really connecting. They've been gathering, but not growing in relationships. And one of the things COVID has taught us, even though we're more isolated, is our more need to actually be connected. So I do think, I don't know what number I'd put on it. Maybe I'd go with a, uh, you know, an eight or something like that, that the churches that are going to make a discipleship impact is are really going to be able to understand how to make people feel connected, not just I'm gathering in a room or I'm gathering online. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, man, you can be in a, a room full of people and still feel lonely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, something yep, like that. Absolutely. So, so on that same scale, 10 being the most probable, and, and some of these are just kind of connecting with each other, mm-hmm. these questions, but um, filling auditoriums will be less important than focusing on fulfilling the mission. 10. It should have always been that way in the first place, but now it's going to happen. Should have always. Yeah. 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 Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Um, Same preface. The political and ideological churches will lose influence with the unchurched. Uh, 10. I think they already are losing influences with the unchurched because um, they're unable to see the gospel connected to those issues. It doesn't mean that in some ways they're not connected, but when we lead with those things before we lead with the gospel, I think it has a deep effect on the unchurched. Wouldn't it be nice also, and I, and I think you would agree with me, brother, because I don't know completely what he's saying by the political and ideological churches. Um, you know, what is he saying? What does that mean exactly? Yeah. Um, that they're more political than they are spiritual. They're more, well, you know what, maybe we should get him on the show and ask him. How's that? Hey, that's a good idea. That'd be, there a, you go. he'd be a cool guest. We better do that, man. So, all right. Finally, spirit the, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most probable spiritual entrepreneurs will thrive. Uh, I don't like the question. So I'm just going to ignore the question and say this, those who obey God will thrive. Um, yeah. And if God calls you to be an entrepreneur, you'll thrive. If God calls you to shepherd a flock of 30 people to the day that you die, that is obedient and you'll thrive. So depending on what he means by that, but that's my, that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. How's that? Well, and I, and I would agree with that completely. I completely agree with that. I, I think it's what, at least in my mind, clicked was spiritual entrepreneurs are folks that are like really going out there and really going after people like, a, you know, I don't consider myself, for example, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. I would probably flop in business, you know? Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. A few episodes ago, Howie Levin, Levin um, the executive director of One Heart DC, uh, guy that works with us a lot, um, um, talked about a crisis in church leadership where Barna recently reported that approximately 40% of pastors had given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry. In a LifeWay survey, over 60% were feeling overwhelmed. Um, What encouragement? Give them some encouragement, brother, because I've said it before. Mm -hmm. Don't 
quit, my brothers and sisters. Well, as we close, I'll just say this. Been there, done that, have the, the T-shirt and the tattoo. You're not yeah, alone. Yeah, Don't yeah, isolate. Yeah. Know God's voice in your life and know that if he's called you into something, he'll provide. Uh, and just uh, don't isolate. And if you need to talk to someone, I'd love to talk to you. Just email me, brianb at cfcwire.org. Man, I'm going to leave it at that. Hey, folks, man, what fun has this been to hear my good friend, my buddy, my co-host, uh, a blessed man, a, 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 a child of God, I think is the most important thing to say. Um, listen to it again, goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. You can also get more information at cfcwired.org. That's cfcwired.org. Again, you could call me 703-807-2266. Folks, thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart D.C., This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.